Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian, Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much to those of you that tuned in to Dropping In's first episode. I hope you now know a little bit more about me and where I'm coming from. I honestly can't wait to laugh and learn and grow throughout this podcast with all of you. Now I'm going to be honest, I wanted my first 10 episodes to be interviews of people that I think of as fearless. But when I looked up the definition of fearless, it's short and sweet. It says, lacking fear. Now, I shared my story in the first episode, and I know that I don't lack fear, but I had to overcome some serious fears. So I changed things up. The next nine episodes, I'll be dropping in on guests, having them share their stories about overcoming their fears. So let's get into it. Let me introduce my first ever guest on Dropping In. At nine years old, she traded skis for a board. She competed in snowboard events for 10 years, then transitioning to big mountain riding and filming. She earned herself the 2016 Women's Rider of the Year. She is a trailblazer in the snowboarding industry. In 2011, she created Amusement Mountain, celebrating women's progression in snowboarding. In 2018, she's changed the rules of snowboarding as she and her husband brought Koa, their first child, into the world. This mother, wife, friend, traveler, hiker, climber, biker, adventurer, business owner is one of the most influential professional snowboarders in the world. Needless to say, 2020 has had its ups and downs for all of us. I know I'm looking forward to catching up with the one and only Miss Kimmy Fasani. Yeah. Hi, Kimmy. How are you feeling today? Uh, So good. So happy to see you, hear your voice, be part of this. Yay. I'm, I'm so grateful that you're my first guest. I can like ease into this. It's very exciting for me. It's my pleasure. Okay. So we're going to start things off with a rapid fire. Now you don't know any of the questions I'm about to ask you, but there are 10 of them. Are you ready? Yep. <laughs> okay. Where in the world are you today? In Mammoth Lakes, California. What time did you wake up today? 5 a.m. Oh, that sounds awful. What did you, what do you wear when you want to relax? Lululemon. Good answer. <laughs> Summer or winter? Winter. Ooh, also, good answer. Other than a phone and a wallet, what is your must-have item? Uh, Cliff Bar because I'm always hungry. Oh, you're such a sponsorship girl. I love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So that's um, real. <laughs> no, I get it. I respect that. I totally respect that. Um, okay. What's your must-have spring gear? I would say like a lightweight rain jacket type thing. Fair. Um, 
because you never know what you're going to get into when you're hiking around. Perfect. Okay. Uh, favorite board game? Monopoly. Okay. I thought you might say Settlers of Catan, but. I mean, that was hard. There's so many. I know. (laughs) Snack that you take on hill. Shot blocks. Because I don't really like eating when I'm on the mountain and I like a little bit of something, but. I'm the same. Totally the same. Okay. Um, What's your worst habit? Not listening enough. Oh, very insightful. Okay. Number 10. The last question. Bravest, Bravest thing you've ever done? Become a mother. Ooh, good answer. Okay, so we've done the rapid fire. The bravest thing you've ever done was bring little Koa into the world. And with that came um, some challenges in the snowboard industry that you had to overcome. Am I correct? Yeah. So, again, this podcast is about overcoming your fears. Would you say that you, you feared having a child and staying in the snowboard industry? So when I envisioned starting a family, I never thought that I would be able to do both my career and be a mother. I always thought that I would have to give up snowboarding to become a mother. And then I had crazy situations happen within my own family, lost my mom to cancer, realized what am I doing? I'm so focused and selfish on my career. I'm not starting a family. And it became a huge fear that I was going to not be able to balance both and that my sponsors would not support me through both. Because not many women that we've seen in snowboarding have been able to do both. Yeah, or chosen to do both. And I think that's such a delicate dance. It's like not every woman is going to want to balance their career and be as focused on their career as having a child. And I had no clue what I was signing up for when Mm -hmm. I decided I really wanted to try to balance both. Mm -hmm. Um, But not having other women to really look two that had paved the way and had contracts designed around pregnancy and time off snow. Um, it was very scary to approach and really, um, face head on. So really you are again, innovating the snowboard industry and just changing the rules of snowboarding for all the moms out there, the potential moms. Yeah. And I don't even want to take that credit. It was more so I just really wholeheartedly believed that I did not have to give up my love for the mountains and my love for snowboarding to become a mom. Mm -hmm. And yet hindsight, I never knew what I was signing up for. It was like the hardest discussions and it's been the hardest juggling balance that I could have ever imagined, but it's also brought so much growth. Oh, I love it. So cool. And um, little Koa is turning how old now? Two. Almost two. Crazy. He is two. Oh, he is two. Crazy. Just turned. And, uh, and do you want to talk about this season so far? Yeah. So I finally, Koa is two years old or he was becoming two in March and I finally had some freedom um, where I could be away from him. I chose to breastfeed him until he was 15 months old. He never took a bottle. So that kind of limited my availability of being out in the mountains or being far away from him. And so 2020 was my year to get back out into the mountains. And I was really excited to be part of Burton's new movie, uh, One World, and kind of leading the charge 
for our crew in the backcountry, um, teaming up with the guys and just really putting my focus there. And I hardly got into 2020 and I made my first trek to Revelstoke with Koa in tow and my nanny. We drove 20 hours and within four days of being there, um, I was in the emergency room and then medevac to Vancouver Children's Hospital because Koa had a very rare disease called HUS and it's linked to a bacteria that he ingested and it caused kidney failure. And then I stayed in the hospital for three weeks and then reemerged a butterfly. <laughs> Into Q COVID. Thank yeah. you. Um, as I said, 2020 has been a whirlwind so far. A lot of ups and downs. You handled um, the whole Kelkoa situation like a champ. For our listeners, just to understand, Kimmy lives in, in Mammoth Lakes, California. So she drove up from Mammoth Lakes to Canada, was in Canada when Koa got sick and then was in a Canadian hospital for about three weeks where I was lucky enough to see you and spend three days with little Koa and you and your husband, Chris. Um, wild times, really just out of your comfort zone, huge growth. When I think of you, I think of, well, we lived together, to be completely honest. You let me live with you, which was very kind. Um, I got Lake. to live with you. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I think of you as in Mammoth and just like huck and buck backflips all like all over the place. And I'm just like, okay, she's just going for it. In the half pipe, she is, she's going to huck a backflip and it's happening. And it was so cool to see you pushing the sport. Um, we competed together just a little bit throughout my competitive career. Um, and uh, like one question that maybe people would want to know is the double backflip that you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, were the first woman to do? In the backcountry and park at the same time, cohesively. Um, I think that there have been other women to do double backflips and mm -hmm. that was brought to our attention as this was all happening. Um, but it, to do both in the same season and to do it in the park, uh, mm -hmm. mammoth really helped me accomplish that goal. And it was a very fun challenge to try to harness my energy and concentrate. Okay. So for people that don't, um, snowboard or ski or anything like that, what, what, like, where did that thought even come from? I randomly, I mean, I was a gymnast when I was younger. And so I love doing floor routines. I love bouncing on trampolines, double backflips. I had done them in harnesses when I was a gymnast. And watching the guys do them, watching all the snowboard, like, videos, there was just so much inspiration in, like, what if you did do a double backflip? My first trick was my first trick that I personally learned when I was, um, a young teenager was a backflip in my backyard. And so it kind of, as I started progressing and realizing like, maybe I could do two of these and just trying to harness that energy within myself and trying to figure out like what it would take and how the focus would feel and then just going for it. And so you were doing backflips, just like single backflips, like a total normal person would. No, that's not true. Not normal people do that. Um, on what size jumps are we looking at? Just so the listeners can get a, an idea. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, when I used to compete in USASA, I did backflips on like 
the money booter, if you would, like at nationals, I would do my backflip on like a, maybe a 30 to 50 foot jump. And then, um, it kind of just progressed. I did big air contests over rotated a few hurt myself. I mean, there was like every size you could do them on. I would try. Okay. And then you got this goal to do the double backflip. How would you say that you kind of conquered that fear? And when I say fear for me doing tricks for the first time ever, I find that there's always that like fear factor right in there where you're like, well, I can visualize it, but am I going to do it? The first one might be for me personally, always the trickiest because it's something that's brand new and you're just like, Hey, so how did you kind of, how many, two questions, how did you overcome that fear and how many times did it take you to drop in to, um, do actually land it and do it or try it, not land it, but try it. So I was on a backcountry trip in Colorado with Sheryl Moss and Hannah Beeman and uh, Johnny Roderick and uh, Christy Shalou, photographer and filmer. And I had this idea in my head and we had epic conditions and we had built this jump and I decided that this was going to be the jump and I didn't really want to talk about it, but I wanted to like give the photographer and filmer a heads up like, hey, I might try this, but I didn't want to commit like mentally outside the box. And so I had just really visualized it as much as I could and I had it in my head and I decided to go for it. And that was in 2011, in January, 2011. And I landed on my fourth try. Boom. Um, But overcoming it, it was really just, if I could see it, I decided, okay, if I can see it, I can do it. And it's so visual. I think so much of what we do as athletes is a visual experience. If you can see what you're doing and the tricks in your mind, it might be possible. Did you poop your pants at all? No, but <sighs> it was terrifying, but the snow was really good. In the backcountry, it was like soft. So falling wasn't too big of an issue. Right. And like I had brought it around, like I over-rotated one. And you then over-rotated trying- a double backflip. Yeah. Casual. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I tried it with like doing kind of like a, I tried it with a few different grads and the way they were bringing me was almost like double backside rodeo, but I didn't want to land switch in the backcountry. So I was just like, it was a so, whole learning. So curve. switch for everyone listening in snowboarding um, is landing backwards, which is not always preferable when you're landing in powder. I mean, Kimmy, crazy. So awesome. Again, like paving the way for the girls that are like – just crushing it now and you're still crushing it out there. Another thing that I wanted to touch on, cause we're again, talking about overcoming fears when you had kind of a, a monumental crash on, uh, if you don't mind talking about talking through that one, telling us that story. Uh, this is my season of vigor. So <laughs> this is, um, 2012, December of 2012. And basically after my I did the backcountry double backflip and then went to the park in April of 2011. And then the Olympics were announced that they were going to have slope style um, in the summer of 2012. For the 2014 winter games, correct? Yeah. And I decided, you know what? Maybe I could have a chance. Like there were um, definitely a handful of girls from the U.S. that were making huge strides and progression. But I decided to come out of my 
contest retirement and step back into riding park. And I, like I kind of did that secretly. Like I didn't think I knew that you were doing that. Yeah. I didn't really tell anybody. Yeah, okay. And I think I just, I, I personally just wanted to learn more tricks. Like I really wanted to put my focus into learning more tricks, like really focusing on my style. And, um, I even like hired Cody Rosenthal to help coach me through some tricks and like, I've just always loved him. He's such an amazing human and a friend, but also uh, his style was just so effortless that I decided he would be a great person to kind of help me through some things. So him and I were working together. Um, I had broken my wrist like not even five days before this insanely crazy accident. Mm -hmm. And we were riding South Park at Mammoth and I drifted off a park jump doing a switchback five. I just like uh, tossed my weight way too far on my toes and bounced off the knuckle backwards into the trees and a huge ice boulder from where like the jump was uh, being rolled by a cat uh, had, I hit that with my left leg and I was laying in the trees just like stunned. Like I can't believe I'm still alive, but I'm in a lot of pain. Um, and I ended up doing my ACL, MCL, PCL and my pelvis had a hematoma on my left leg and that just transpired in this huge uh, realization that contests were not my thing and I was going to take about a year off of snow to reprioritize and refocus on how I was going to get back to my love for snowboarding. And recover. Lots of recovering, like seven months of uh, no resistance biking, a lot of sitting and waiting, a lot of bedtime, three months bedridden mm -hmm. to let my pelvis and everything kind of heal. So it was a full, it was 11 months before I was back on snow. And it just taught me a lot about the mind and how we can overcome things and mm -hmm. how you can let go of the past. Because in that situation, I just did not, I love snowboarding so much and still do that. I didn't want this accident to be my demise. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to overcome it and really find balance. And you did. And then you just like, I, I knew about this crash. Obviously, we're friends. And then, honestly, the next thing that I saw you do, because you're just you're just Kimmy Fasani. And, yeah, you're just going to do a triathlon. Like, I swear that was, like, the next thing that you did. And I was like, who is this person? Like, stop being so perfect. Um, how did that even <laughs> come about? Was that, like, part of your recovery? So that I actually – I wasn't allowed to run um, until about six months after my recovery. I was able to do like a mile run and I decided what is a better way. Let me back up a second. When I got out of surgery, they thought that I had only done my ACL and my MCL in my knee. And the doctor was really sad to tell me that I had also torn my ACL, which meant that I would have a really long period of time off snow because your ACL and PCL kind of mirror each other mm -hmm. and they need a lot of time in opposite positions to recover. And he basically said, you need to start family planning. Like you're never going to get back to your sport at the level that you were at. Um, reconsider because this isn't something that might, your, your knee might not ever work the way it used to. And so my rebuttal to that was, well, what can I do? Could I sign up for a triathlon? Like, could I do something to get my mind off of snowboarding, but still give myself a goal? Yeah. And he honestly laughed, but he is an athlete himself. So he understood and he didn't say yes, but he just was like, okay, I get like where this girl's coming from. And then I started working with 
uh, B project down in San Diego and uh, Brad Jones did an incredible job at getting me back on my feet. And I had a month before I got back on snow, I had a triathlon that I was going to do and it was just a sprint distance. It was to give me, okay, if I can do a triathlon, I can get back on snow and feel strong, like mentally, physically, I've overcome something. I set my mind to something to give me tools to train Mm -hmm. and to get stronger. And then, yeah, so I did a triathlon and it was crazy. And I ended up winning my age group, which was like not expected at all. I wasn't trying to do that, but it was just like that mindset. (laughs) It was the mindset. Do you want me to read your bio all over again? Because you are a rare specimen. (laughs) Give me the sign. I like the challenge. She does it all. Um, it, your, your story is, um, is very familiar, but in different, um, injury ways, uh, as to mine. And one thing that I have been called is very stubborn. And when you talked about the doctor, I was like, you know what, when doctors say no, it's just like, I don't know what it is in athletes, but most athletes that I talk to, they're just like, you said what? Oh no, it's going to happen. Like, oh, you're not going to snowboard again? You should retire? Oh, well, we're going to have to stay positive here. So let's get back on the horse. Um, so I love that you did that. And you're like, all right, what can I do? Triathlon. Okay. Uh, man, fearless. Okay, you're not fearless. You've overcome a lot of fears. I can't use the word fearless anymore because we learned that today, right? <laughs> oh, man. But I think it's also like this underlying just part of passion and being persistent. It's like... I will tell you when I'm done. Totally. And that's what I've learned. No matter how hard the struggle is or the challenge is, um, sometimes I bite myself because I'm like, what have I signed up for? But No, we get tested over and over again. Um, one question I do have, well, I've had a lot of questions. I'm sorry. Um, did you ever ask for help? In my recovery, I had to learn how to surrender. My house got really dirty and I hate that. And oh, I can touch on that one, actually. Sorry to interrupt. Kimmy is an avid vacuumer. For those of you that don't know her very well, she will vacuum at – she probably vacuumed this morning at 5 a.m. Am I right? No. Close to – like 6. No. 7? No. Did you vacuum today? Things have got, things have got very last <laughs> since having a child. <laughs> oh, my God. I love you. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you your house wasn't as clean as it normally is which is normally spotless my mom came down and stayed with me for two weeks um I had people helping cook I couldn't carry anything obviously because I was on crutches I was I was so I needed help Uh, it was not an easy thing for me to ask I'm sure I got pretty frustrated with people so I'm sorry if you were one of them (laughs) but um yeah I did have to ask for help yeah And then I just put my mind to what was really important to myself and learned how to sit quietly and learned how to meditate a lot more. Yeah, totally, totally. It's really hard to ask for help. That's um, something that I think everyone can definitely work on. Uh, And then with your recovery, once you were able to walk and start working out, I assume it was a slow process. So like how much did you have to prepare for the triathlon and then getting back on snow? to be honest, so much of it was mental. So much was it, so much of it was having to erase the accident and realizing and understanding that it was an accident and that it wouldn't happen again. Mm -hmm. And really taking myself into, um, 
like deep conversation of, okay, do you want to snowboard? Why do you want to snowboard? And then when I had that and I really had the motivation to work on myself, mm-hmm. the recovery came because of that determination and that motivation. Mm-hmm. And it took all of me and my patients and so much research. I ended up seeing six different physical therapists before I found B Project down in Carlsbad because it was such a complex knee injury. And then with my pelvis uh, that nobody had the right answer. Like, I mean, I don't know if there was a right answer. It just was very complex. Mm -hmm. And it was so hard for me to actually find the recovery program that wouldn't compromise how my knee was going to regain strength um, or cut down on its longevity for my career. And so finding the right person uh, and then sticking to one person and just really putting all my energy into that basket and finding a lot of different exercises too, like biking on flat ground, swimming in the pool with a, uh, a leg blocker thing. So my legs stay together. A lot of that, just like resourcing as much as I could mm-hmm. um, for knowledge and uh, awareness of how my body was going to heal. Totally. Random question. Cause in my first episode, I share my story and overcoming. Um, and as you're sharing your story about your pelvis, I, I smoked my hip obviously. And I get ghost pains. Do you ever get ghost pains? You don't. Oh, you, you're, I don't get the ghost trauma pains. is out of your body. It's released. I don't know if it's yeah. out because I ended up having to have a C-section because I think <laughs> of all my <laughs> pelvis breaks. So, <laughs> okay. Maybe you need to do some EMDR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, it sounds like with that, um, preparation, you really built your confidence again. And did anyone, um, really other than your trainers and everything help you, um, bring snowboarding back into your, into your life? I mean, Chris, I have to give him credit a hundred percent. He, he was really helpful in just like helping me have confidence and trust in myself again. And I filmed with him and his crew for two seasons after that injury, just to get back into the mountains. And they encouraged me to hit some really big jumps that I was really excited to hit, even though there was no way my body should have. But um, yeah, just having somebody like Chris, my husband, obviously uh, know me so well and know what I'm capable of and know what I've been through so that he, I trust his opinion because he knows how much hell I put him through. (laughs) Well, he puts you through some hell too. Let's be honest. Um, Yeah. Kimmy, anything else that you would like to say? I just want to say thank you to you. And I think the overarching message is just harnessing your mind can be a lot um, simpler if we learn to live in the present moment and let go of a lot of things that happen to us. It's very true. Um, So some takeaways that I have are finding the right people to get you through um, your fears Also, I know that when they say having a goal, um, to say it out loud, I also don't say my goals out loud. I may like the same as you in your story where you're like for the double backflip, well, I think I'm going to do it. Um, but you know, it's not like all in, I, I never understood goals. I just had these things in my head that I had to do. And then once I learned what goals were, I was like, so many goals. So um, (laughs) like even just having the goals in your head is enough to make you one of the best snowboarders or athletes in the world. 
Thanks, Mer. I did have a little bit about your movie um, that is out on YouTube right now. Yep, Fire on the Mountain that Chris uh, produced and directed with Tyler Hamlet. That's a Grateful Dead-inspired collaboration with me, Danny Davis, Michelle Parker, and Rob Machado and Jeremy Jones um, and Chris. And yeah, Skiing at Night on Mammoth Mountain, that movie you should definitely check out. Um, I will try my darndest to put that in the link. Not that I know how to do that yet on this <laughs> on this podcast dropping in dropping in real fast here with kimmy fasani thank you so much for your time i love you and i miss you love you too thank you so much on the next episode of dropping in a podcast with mercedes nickel i interview a snowboarder that's made her way into the history books stay tuned next thursday dropping in Jeff Woods and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.